Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Gordon, the editor of Fruit and Vegetable Magazine. Today, I'll be speaking with one of the finalists of our Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture program, or IWCA for short. Today's finalist is well known for her research in cover crops, which influences agriculture not only in the province of Ontario where she's based, but also nationally and internationally. Before we get started, let's hear from Chris McNaughton, a research associate at the University of Guelph, Ridgetown campus, who was the one to nominate Laura Van Aird for the program. My name is Chris McNaughton. I nominated Dr. Laura Van Aird for an Influential Woman in Canadian Agricultural Award because she's passionate about her cover crop and nutrient management research. She wants to find feasible solutions for Canadian farmers that benefit both the grower and our environment. She's also an amazing mentor for all her undergraduate and graduate students, many of whom continue to work in agriculture on their graduation. Laura is a good friend and colleague. You know you're going to learn something new when you work with her every time. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Laura Benaird. I'm a professor at the School of Environmental Sciences uh, located at Richtown campus, part of the University of Guelph. My research is looking at sustainable soil management. I also do teaching and some extension work with farmers. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background in agriculture? Where did you get started? I grew up on a farm. That's number one. So we had a cash crop farm and we had finishing hogs. Yeah, I really enjoyed living on the farm. And so I would say that without that exposure to agriculture, I don't think I would be here, actually. I wouldn't be in agriculture. That and my enjoyment of the outdoors and trying to figure out how things work in a scientific point of view is where I'm coming from. So interestingly enough, I, uh, the home farm is 16 kilometers from Richtown, from Richtown campus. So I went to elementary school and high school in Richtown. I even worked as a summer student at, uh, at Richtown campus. And, you know, you have to kind of be careful about what you wish for because, you know, in those dog days of summer when you're working at counting and counting and counting for some more, I thought to myself, oh, one of these days I'm going to come back and be everyone's boss. <laughs> and actually I did. I am. Here I am. I'm a researcher, a prof, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about agriculture was being outside. And the unfortunate part is, as a researcher, I get less and less opportunities to uh, do field work. But when I do, I really enjoy it. That's that's great to hear that Ridgetown has such a special place oh, uh, in your in your life. So. Given your, your current role now at the university as a researcher and an educator, what do you like best about your role? Number one is so varied. It's varied in terms of the people I get to interact with, from farmers to students to colleagues to, to researchers around Canada and the world. And then it's also varied in terms of the activities, right, from various 
data analysis, which I absolutely enjoy, which is kind of odd for many people, but <laughs> I really do enjoy getting the, the results, the data, and trying to make sense of it, to writing papers, to summarizing that research in a, you know, a form that everyone can access. And then it's the interaction with the students. We have the opportunity to teach undergraduates and graduate students. That's the most, probably the most rewarding part of, of my career is being able to ask those questions that allow the students to think about something in a different perspective and to, and to come up with the answer themselves. Definitely. One of the better parts is the students, and the best part is just the variation in what I get to do. And you've been in their shoes before as a student yourself, so it's great that you you get to give back in that way now. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely enjoyable, and and I often think about it as that you know these are the future leaders in agriculture in whatever their chosen field is. It's really excellent to see those graduate students move on and then what's been really fun is twitter like the student interaction on twitter sometimes i go what wow you did pay attention (laughs) you know so it's really it's really enjoyable so you can see them learning in real time on your timeline yeah and applying applying that knowledge and you know sometimes maybe they give it a uh, shout out and you're like yeah way to go that's great to hear so like let's take a step back and think about your entire career in agriculture can you talk about a big accomplishment or you know a defining moment for you in your career yeah definitely for me and it that's mainly because of my role but the defining moment was becoming a full professor for me that's Definitely a huge accomplishment. And that happened just last year. Uh, last year was a really big year for me. I also had a, one of our scientific journal articles, a peer reviewed article in the Canadian Journal of Plant Science was voted as best paper of 2018. So that the Canadian Society of Agronomy nominated and I was awarded the best paper from the journal in agronomy. So that was quite the accomplishment. Congratulations on, yeah. on professor and best paper. And, and last, uh, sorry to interrupt, um, in ahead. terms of last year being a big year, kind of a defining moment was I was invited to write a textbook chapter, right? So when you think of all these academics, uh, I was invited to write the chapter on soil health. So what a great defining moment to be recognized for all the years of hard work in my research in agriculture to now there'll be a textbook chapter coming out with my name on it. And and we built a team of uh, four other authors and I'm really enjoying that process. That That's so cool to hear. You did talk about, you know, the years that you've put in the years of hard work. Can you talk yeah. about a particular challenge? that maybe you faced and and what you had learned from it? The biggest challenge, and and part of that, I guess, comes with the time in your career, but the biggest challenge was my first year as a college professor. So I was hired, and two weeks after being hired, I was delivering my first course. 
at Richtown campus. I hadn't yet defended my PhD, so I was working through the edits of that. So first time teaching a full course, first time in in my position as college professor, had to figure out my research program. We moved to Richtown, but we didn't have a house. And my first day on campus was the blackout of 2013, where all electricity <laughs> in all of eastern Canada and the States was out. So it was a pretty challenging time. And that, that first semester, I don't know, honestly, there's so much to do. But I survived. And I guess what I learned from it was do your best and work hard. Keep your head down and work hard. In the end, get through it. You're on the other side and it's good. And I think, you know, when you go into anything for the first time and when you're you're kind of building your confidence, uh, it's so important to have mentors and people to lean on. So I guess throughout your journey, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've been given? Yeah, great question, Stephanie. I guess my the best piece of advice is you can do whatever you put your mind to. And that was my father when I was young and throughout. He would always, you know, he would, as a kid, he would get frustrated maybe at some homework or doing a task. And, and he would say, Laura, you can do whatever you put your mind to. And often I think about that. But there's, a, there's other things that through at different stages of my career. So when I first started, my PhD advisor said, okay, well, you're starting this position. Don't, don't go to your chair or your boss with the problem. Go with, go to your boss with the problem and the solution. And he never explained why, but I knew afterwards because no one wants to hear a problem. And if you hear a problem and there's a solution right in front of you, you guess you're happy to take that solution. And if you go to someone with the problem and a solution, it's more likely that you're going to get that solution implemented. That's all really good advice. Yeah. I guess more recently I've taken up, maybe not advice, but it's a quote by Pamela Wallen. And it's like, and I'm not saying it verbatim. It, it amounts to there's more rewards in life by saying yes, right? Saying yes to different things, to difficult things. You can't always do that. You have to say no, but there's definitely reward in the yeses. Mm -hmm. And you actually do work with youth through 4-H, Girl Guides Canada. What has that experience been like for you? What would you tell the, the youth you work with about if they're thinking about pursuing a career in agriculture? What has that experience been like? Oh, yeah. I by no means do a lot of work with 4-H or Girl Guides or Scouts. Like, and, and that's not being, being uh, modest. That's me being honest. Not a lot, but I do volunteer as guests, you know, speakers or presenters for those groups. And I always, as best I can, take up that offer. I really enjoy the opportunity. I guess the most rewarding part of doing any of that guest volunteering is the questions they come up with or the, the take-homes. You know, you, you finish your little talk and they... You know, they come up with these 
wild questions that make you go, oh, wow. Yeah, you got it. So that's a lot of fun. And Do so you have an the, example of one of the questions? Oh, uh, so we were doing, Chris had, Chris McNaughton had invited me to uh, Girl Guide. So that's the youngest ones, which were Spark, Sparks. And so I was talking, they were going to get their biodiversity badge. And so we talked about, you know, okay, what animals are extinct? And they said dinosaurs, you know, everything, what you might expect, the dodo bird, right? And then they, uh, I was like, oh, what about endangered species? Do you know any endangered species? And, and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, like the panda bear and the tiger. And then one one person who hadn't said anything the whole time put up their hand and said, Eastern had no snake. I'm like, what? Yes. Like, so she had a relevant local species just out of the blue. That's so amazing to hear. If if um, if any youth are listening and they're thinking of pursuing a career in agriculture, do you have any advice for, for them specifically, those who are still in high school who, you know, love working outdoors just like you did, and they haven't really thought about taking that into a career in ag- agriculture, but they're... They're well primed for what the ag industry has mm-hmm. to offer. In terms of youth, it would be to volunteer and to work in different different sectors of, of agriculture. There's lots of different opportunities. And if you can work, at minimum, you'll figure out whether you like it or not. And in my case, you know, you might find yourself. <laughs> They're uh, 11 years later in a wonderful career. So, yeah, my best advice is to try it. Try different volunteers, ask different people and connect with different people about what could you do. And I liked your advice about trying it out because, you know, knowing what you don't like is just as valuable as knowing what you do like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if being outside makes you know being outside and and getting dirty and having soil in your in between your toes isn't for you that's good to know when when you're young right and who knows right I so when I was a teenager I worked at the pharmacy and I knew pretty quick that I that working in retail wasn't for me I, I don't have the the people skills to you know smile all day long <laughs> that's just not me i yes. want to know how something works i want to know why this plant is doing is growing like this in this soil or why this these cover crops are changing the soil that's what gets me you know i'm a scientist and a lot of your work has has centered around cover crop research and and your nominator in their nomination form even shared that a grant reviewer for one of your recent grant proposals said that much of the current research out there on cover crops is attempting to build on the knowledge that you have created. So how would you, if we're talking about cover crops, how would you describe the status and attitude toward cover crops and agriculture when you first started versus now after all the years that you've put in? Mm-hmm. So I started in, in 2003, and the first year, my first field season was 2004, and we 
I have to give all credit to Ann Verhollen. So she's the OMAFRA Soil Management Specialist, and she's located here at Richtown Campus for saying, hey, Laura, here you're doing this experiment and you're going to be harvesting cucumbers early. Want to put in a cover crop? And I said, yes. And it's because of Anne that we carried on this cover crop research and it's been a lot of fun. So how would I say it changed between, you know, since 2004 and now? I think it's night and day. Those early years were really tough in trying to get, like from my perspective as a researcher, trying to get research funding and, you know, someone even finding cover crop seed. Like we could find it, but there were a lot of options out there that were easily accessible that you could just go down to the local shop, right? The local co-op. And now, now the, it's research priorities. Like with government and with different industry sectors, sustainability, a research priority. I'm being invited to participate as opposed to when I first started, started, hey, hey, anyone, anyone interested? Anyone want to, want to do this cover crop work? So it's, uh, I, I mean, adoption, that's, you didn't really ask so much about adoption. Adoption is still slow, but it has, like if you interpret the Stats Canada from agriculture data, it has cover crop adoption has increased based on their questionnaire. I I guess I it's a good time to be a cover crop researcher. And likewise to be doing the soil health research that that we've been doing in my research program. It's been a lot of not only, you know, Ontario, but Canadian and international interest in, in soil health. Yeah, and soil health is, is so big right now. And, and for anyone listening, you know, I would go to a ton of field events and events in Ontario, and Laura is always asked to speak especially about cover crops. And even when I'm thinking about doing an article about cover crops and I think about who can give an Ontario perspective, like your name is just, is just top of mind. And that's just proof that the work that you're doing is getting noticed. And, you know, the cover crop research, it's just, it's not in the margins anymore. And you're writing an entire chapter on soil health. So I think we're seeing a huge focus on sustainability and, and you're participating mm-hmm. in that conversation, if not leading part of it. So, excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of it. I, I uh, you know, I think I played a part in advancing it, and I don't think it has anything to do with luck. That that all of that newspaper articles and interests in cover crops. And so, let's talk about all the work that you've put in. But if you can go back. To the beginning of your career, one of your first couple of days as a as an educator, or maybe you're just starting to learn about it, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, it, that's uh, that's an easy one. I would say stop worrying. I would really stop worrying, stop fretting. You got this. Because there's a lot, like especially at the beginning, and I'm. I'm working, but I think this is true of lots of people and probably especially women that we fret and internalize and worry. 
And I did a lot of that, especially when I first started. And I think I would have enjoyed it a whole heck of a lot. My earlier career as if I didn't have that, uh, that worry in the back of my mind. You know, fake it till you make it. Well, I wasn't faking it, but I was, I was working really hard to calm down that worry and stress when you first begin. And not worrying, just enjoying the ride and, you know, like you said, Mm -hmm. working hard, putting the hours in. Um, Let's talk about the industry, the agriculture industry in general. What keeps you excited about agriculture and the work that you do? Absolutely. So I guess for agriculture, it's similar to the very first question you asked, you know, what excites me about my my job, my career, and that is that it's so varied. I'm doing the best research that I can that's applicable to Ontario and Ontario farmers, but I can't do it all, right? There's so many different questions. There's so many variables, right? So we try, for example, whether it's cover crop or or nitrogen fertility work, especially nitrogen fertility work, we go to many different farms as we can to be representative. So we need to be representative of the system. So what management practices are being conducted? And then we have to be representative of the season, right? And then you've got the soil and the soil in itself is so complex. And so that's the part that excites me about agriculture. And I guess when I, I gave a talk this winter on soil health testing and I said, okay guys, so whose farm here? in this room is exactly the same as one other farm in this province. Like you do the exact same management, rotation, soil, like, and they all are like, "Mm," you know, right? Like Mm -hmm. no one's farm is exactly the same. There's lots of commonalities, but you do what works for your system. And to me, that's, that's exciting. And, and it's challenging as a scientist, right? Because I want to, and growers are asking for, for answers. And so what we do is we we, um, we try to answer the best we can. Yeah, it's an interesting okay. perspective that, you know, no operation is the same. But when we think about research, they do have to have some reliability in the study. So, like you said, very complex and lots of things to kind of get into. And I guess that's what you said keeps things interesting. Yeah, like we have to control, right? Like, but that's what makes it exciting. It, I can't imagine it would be boring yet. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't want to down any other discipline, but I think it would be boring if all of your experiments were in a test tube. So for the industry as a whole, how do you see the agriculture industry changing in the next five, ten years? Is there anything you want to see more of specifically? So I guess my dream, and so I, I'm not sure... I'll be an optimist and not a realist in answering this question. But I, ideally, I would love to see that there are rewards for environmental stewardship. Whatever that reward, right? And I use that term loosely. I guess what I mean is sustainability, 
rights in that the growers are compensated for the goods and services that their farm does to the environment. And I think that's often overlooked by many members of the general public. They see agriculture as a contributor of degradation. They do not see what I think is largely or could be in the next five to ten years as a contributor to cleaner water, to filtered air, let alone food and the safest, most nutritious food that we've seen on this planet ever. In terms of what do I want to see more of or what else I'd like to see more of is, or what do I think is going to be the main change? I think it's going to be CRISPR-Cas9. I think if we can, agriculture, but also science. So here is my concern. I concern that a lot of the general public are skeptical about science and that skepticism prevents us from moving forward. I think the entire world has a huge opportunity uh, in terms of food production with the use of CRISPR-Cas9 to modify plants and uh, microbes to avoid drought, to recover from hail damage, to recover from or resist pests or insect damage and increase productivity. And how much would that benefit the world if we could produce more and more nutritious food to feed the world and to, if we were able to do that, then maybe marginal land could be retired. In my mind, that is a huge opportunity and I'm a bit worried that the skeptics on science might limit that. So for those of us who might be unfamiliar with with CRISPR Cas9, how would you how would you explain it in layman's terms? Oh, I'm not even sure I can do a very good job at it. But it is like I always tell my students, if if we could have cut and paste insulin into a banana and make that banana purple and millions of people to get their insulin, all they had to eat was a purple banana. How would the world respond to uh, genetic engineering? CRISPR, CRISPR, and and please forgive me because this isn't the most scientific, but it's a good analogy. CRISPR is, and Cas9, is a protein that goes into the genome and it changes and fixes how you want it to be fixed. So let's say you want you want your plant to resist a disease. You design CRISPR to so that that plant resists the disease and then its offspring now carry that gene to resist the disease. And so then think of the think of the benefits to the grower if they can save money on pest control products, think about the environment, notifying these pest control products, 
think about the increase in productivity if your plant isn't stressed from the disease. But that unit was invented by uh, two female scientists in uh, California. Well, that's a good fun fact for this for this episode, <laughs> and it's good to see you know our industry forward thinking and talking about these ideas now because. You know, when we think about farms, they're multi-generational. They don't plan 10 years ahead. Some of them plan 100 years ahead. So hearing you say all these things into the future, it's it's cool to hear. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, you know, to wrap this this episode up, you talked about how when you were younger, you really enjoyed being outside. And then you got to study at Ridgetown. And now you are a professor there. You talked about the hard work that it took to get you there. You talked about some highlights the best paper, the chapter on soil health, getting full professorship. And you've really been you know, a champion for, for cover crop research, especially in the Ontario community. So I hope those outside listening can see that. And, you know, some of your advice has been to say yes to the difficult things, worry less, enjoy the ride. And we thank you too for, for taking the time out of your day and to speak with us. And we really appreciate that. So, so thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for the acknowledgement. I I feel very fortunate to have been nominated and to be recognized. It's a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Ag Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Ag Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.